The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm going to try not to cough all over you listening now because I've got some allergies I'm dealing with. But I am here with Delphi Ellis to Radiate Hope. And Delphi is the author of Answers in the Dark, Grief, Sleep, and How Dreams Can Help You Heal. And this book was written for you. Actually, Okay, actually it was written for me. Uh, It explores why you're awake, how you can manage your mind at night, and what might help if it's your dream content wreaking havoc. So, very, very helpful. I am so tickled to speak with you, Delphi. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, my goodness. So, why did you write a book about sleep and healing? So I started my therapeutic career about 20 years ago. I'm a qualified counsellor. And when I started out my career, I just wanted to help people. And I felt I had some skills around listening and communication that would be useful with that. But I also grew up in an environment where we would talk about our dreams over the breakfast table. So I grew up in an environment where it was quite normal to have conversations about uh, how we were feeling and, um, you know, certainly talking about dreams and and those kinds of things. So when I qualified as a counsellor, it really followed naturally in my conversations with people that I would talk to them and they would often share with me their dreams that they were having and often that they weren't sleeping very well and I didn't plan it this way but the majority of people that I worked with were bereaved and the majority of bereaved people that I worked with had been bereaved by murder and suicide so I worked with some really intense cases around people finding themselves awake in the middle of the night with very good reason. You know, these people were struggling, they were finding life really difficult and challenging for obvious reasons. 
And so together we would embark on this journey around what I call helping people get their sparkle back. So we would work around, you know, the practical element of them not being able to sleep. We would explore their dreams together if that's what they wanted. And together we would kind of embark on this journey of exploration. And so after about 10 years or so of doing that I started this journey of writing a book and the book actually took me 10 years to write so so I've actually been doing this for 20 years and um in that time it really became obvious to me that I needed to write the book the way I talk about it. So people that have read the book say it's almost like you're in the room with me. It's almost like we're having a chat. It's almost like we're having a conversation. And that was the way I decided to go with the book in the end. I know that there are books out there around the science of sleep and, you know, that's important. And I do touch on that. But for me, I wanted to make it more human. I wanted to make it more real. And I wanted to bring in these conversations that so many people had had with me about why they couldn't sleep, why they were awake in the middle of the night and what might help. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. You know, the, when we're talking to somebody about how are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? We talk about how are you eating? Mm. Are you pooping? <laughs> <laughs> how are you sleeping? Yeah, it's one of those top three things that we need to do to take care of our bodies. So I, I just have to ask, are you a a dream analyst? Do you like? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way I explain it is that I'm I think of myself as a dream explorer. In the early days, when I worked with people, I would embark on this kind of journey of exploration with them so when I work with people although the media often call me a dream expert or a dream analyst or a dream interpreter the way I actually work with people is more around an exploration so when someone shares a dream with me I will often ask them questions like when you think of that what does it remind you of or why do you think you had that dream right now or what's going on in your life at the moment that you think might have prompted this dream and so we work together almost as an exploration rather than me saying definitively oh this is what I think your dream means yeah and so this is one of the things that I offer in answers in the dark is like a mini toolkit to help people explore their own dreams although I talk about different types of dreams that people have in the book I'm very careful to say it's not a dream dictionary. It, it's more about helping people understand different themes, different styles of dreams that we might have, different um, dream experiences and nighttime experiences. But it's very much about providing a toolkit for people so that they can explore their own dreams. I'm very much a believer that you as the dreamer are the best person to decide what your dream means. It's just that sometimes you might need a bit of help, you know, sometimes Sometimes you might need a bit of a steer or you might need a bit of context. Um, and that's where, you know, don't get me wrong, speaking to friends and family or a therapist, it can be helpful. But ultimately, your dreams are encrypted so that only you can analyze them and so that only you know ultimately what they mean. So that's pretty much where I'm coming from with it. You know, and I wonder how much of that is due to the prevalence of, you know, the dream books. Uh, dream analysis that we expect there to be a more cryptic mm -hmm. decipherable puzzle to our dreams rather than you know what the answers are within 
Absolutely that. And and I also think there is an element as well. I think we live in a fix it culture. You know, I think we live in a very solution focused culture. So when we've got a problem, we just want that instant solution, that instant fix to it. And so we go to a book um, like a dream dictionary that's got like 10,000 dream interpretations in it. And we kind of go to it and think, OK, well, I dreamt about a donkey and I dreamt about um, a tomato and I dreamt about, you know, and all those weird things. And we look up each individual symbol and we think, um, I try and piece all that together as if it's like a, a jigsaw puzzle. Oh. The problem we have with that is, for example, and I, and I talk about this a little bit in Answers in the Dark, is that if you only use one dream dictionary to analyze your dream, you're only getting one perspective because that author of that dream dictionary will have written that book on their own model of working so whether it's freudian or jungian and so we it's uh, one of the things that i say to people is we have to be careful about falling into this trap of westernizing our dreams so we have to remember that around the world different cultures different traditions they all have their own ideas about what dreams mean and and how we can explore them but we fall into the trap with dream dictionaries because they're often written from one specific perspective like Freudian, like Jungian, that we're only getting one bite of the apple. So it's one of the reasons why, again, in Answers in the Dark, I provide this like mini toolkit where I kind of give people these reflection questions to kind of ask themselves those questions like, okay, why this? Why now? What does this remind me of? You know, those kinds of things mm -hmm. so that people can do their own exploration and start that journey of uh, decoding their own dream. Right. I love it. Um, now, in the book, you also address insomnia. And as we were kind of chatting before we started recording, I talked about how insomnia is a cruel mistress. And many people are having problems with that now. Just, you know, if I take a random sample from my Facebook friends, right? So how big of a problem is this really? We know that according to organizations like the World Health Organization, they're estimating that somewhere in the region of 20% of the global population now suffers with insomnia. So that's trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. So potentially one in five people on the planet, so not just in the West, but one in five people on the planet are struggling to some extent with trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. So to some extent, we are a sleepless society. And that is going to take its toll on us. You know, that's going to take its toll on our physical health. It's going to take its toll on our mental health. And ironically, it then becomes a vicious cycle. So because I'm not sleeping so well, I'm not doing so well during the day. And because I'm not doing so well during the day, I end up not sleeping so well at night. And so it becomes this vicious cycle. And inevitably we end up, as I say, with becoming to some extent a sleepless society. And one of the things that I explore in Answers in the Dark is that Again, we've we've kind of fallen into this trap of thinking that fixing reflex, that solution focused thing of, OK, well, um, if I stop drinking caffeine, then that will help me sleep better. Or if I have a nice warm bath before bedtime, that will help me sleep better. And that's true. That is true to some extent. We call that sleep hygiene. It's the habits we have during the day that affect how well we sleep at night. And to some extent, that is true. However, in my work over the last 20 years, when I've spoken to people, 
predominantly the underlying reason they couldn't sleep was because they're grieving for something. And when I talk about grief, I don't just mean the death of a loved one. I mean anything that mattered to you that's no longer there. So it could be the breakdown of a relationship. We saw a lot of that at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, there's nothing worse than being locked in a house with someone you do not want to spend the rest of your life with. Um, We saw it with people being furloughed and made redundant. Um, You know, we saw it with people not being able to hug the people that they love. So there was all types of loss showing up during the pandemic, which we're still processing as grief and loss. And so that's one of the things that I talk about and I make this connection with. It's it's really worth us exploring to what extent is grief showing up in my life right now, even if no one has died, to what extent is grief showing up in my life right now? Because I think people would be surprised because it's always the thing, isn't it? You know, if you keep yourself busy during the day, it's like your problems are just a hole that you walk around. You know, you can navigate your way around your problems during the day because you just keep busy. But the minute your head hits the pillow, your bed becomes this magical place that reminds you of an argument you had with someone 20 years ago, you know, and it's, it's trying to navigate that. And of course, ironically, that's what keeps us awake. Right. Absolutely. That is what keeps us awake. And I mean, is there a way to switch that off? Yeah. So in Answers in the Dark, I provide a sleep cycle repair kit. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and it's it's basically, it looks at all the different reasons why, from my perspective, why we might not be able to sleep at night. So I give the example of sleep hygiene. You know, it makes sense that if you're drinking so much coffee during the day that you're maybe not going to sleep so well at night. So I do approach that. I do look at it from the practical perspective. But then I also talk about mind management. And I also talk about the way that our mind takes us as I call it down the plug hole so that's when your mind just spirals at night you know you remember the things you wish you had said or didn't say you remember the things you wish you had done or didn't do you remember every moment of embarrassment or you know every time you wish you'd made a different decision all of these things can seem to come into sharp focus in the middle of the night and so this is one of the reasons why I provide this sleep cycle repair kit which as well as being focused on how we can improve our habits it also talks about mind management and how when we find ourselves awake in the middle of the night how we can manage the mind more helpfully because the last thing we want to do when we wake up in the middle of the night and this is what we do you know we'll all do this at some point you wake up in the middle of the night the first thing you do is check your phone because you want to see what time it is ironically checking your phone because of the light from your phone to some extent that tricks your brain into thinking you're awake it's time to get up and alongside that when you then see what time it is if it's four in the morning for example your mind then starts this mental gymnastics of I'm going to be so tired in the morning. Uh, it's it's four in the morning. I'm not going to get back to sleep. How am I going to be tomorrow? I'm going to be so tired. I've got a big presentation. What am I going to be like? And the minute that happens, your brain goes into like this stress response. And there is no way your brain is going to authorize sleep if you're stressed. So we find ourselves in this trap of being wide awake. It's four in the morning. 
and you can't get back to sleep because your own mind is taking you, as I call it, down the plug hole. So that's one of the reasons why I offer, for example, some mindfulness activities that have proved really helpful with the people I've worked with. Um, I offer some beautiful mantras so that even if, you know, if say, for example, you don't connect so much with the breathing activities in the book, because not everyone does, not everyone can connect with those types of things. Um, there's just some beautiful mantras you can repeat to yourself while you're laying in bed at night. Um, so one of the ones I include in the book is breathing in, I calm my body, breathing out, I calm my mind. And it's just a nice way that you can, you don't have to pay attention to your breath. You're just following the breath as you say it in your mind. So it's just a really nice way that you can teach yourself to um, relax because as soon as you start to relax, your body's going to make space for sleep. True, true. And even the act of closing your eyes sets that into motion. Mm, and mm. I will just close my eyes and that begins the process of shutting the mind down. Mm -hmm. uh, now, in your book, you also talk about th the three big myths of sleep. Mm. Oh, so I, I love this. Um, so one of the things that um, I'm, I'm known for when somebody says to me, oh, it's always been this way. Mm -hmm. I'm one of these people that will be in the room saying, why? Why has it always been that way? Um, and I, I don't know if that's, I, I do think to some extent, I think having a name like mine, like Delphi, I think I'm always seen as different anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I've just kind of become known as one of these person, these people that whenever somebody says, oh, we've always done it that way, I'm, I'm the first person to say, why? Why have we always done it that way? And so over the course of time of working with people, the number of times people would say to me, so the first big myth of sleep is that we all need eight hours sleep every night. And when I've spoken to people over the last 20 years, and I've spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of people, you know, in, in various environments, you know, both family, home, events, workshops, you know, all those kinds of things. And when I've spoken to people, people will say to me, do you know, I, I don't get eight hours. I've never got eight hours. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to get eight hours. And actually, I feel quite refreshed after seven hours. But because I think I'm meant to get eight hours, I'm stressing myself out about it. So, so what happens is people wake up after seven hours and they think, oh, I've got to get another hour in. I've, I've got to get another hour sleep. And of course, that in itself becomes the problem. One of the pieces of research that I quote in the book is that um, it says, ironically, I think it was something like 79% of people are laying awake at night worrying that they're not going to get enough sleep. So the irony of this is, is it's the eight hour myth that could be contributing to us not being sleep to, to us not sleeping well because we wake up in the night we think oh I'm not going to get my eight hours in and so ironically um we end up kind of going over in our mind about how tired we're going to be tomorrow because I didn't get my eight hours so to me that's a big myth one of the one of the myths I bust in the book is that everybody is different teenagers they need way more sleep oh than we gosh. actually allow them I've yeah a 15 year old who will sleep until two o'clock in the afternoon if i let her yeah and 
And to some extent, they need it because their brain is going through changes. And also, I mean, the research tells us that um, teenagers, especially when they're revising for exams, if they've got exams coming up or they've got tests coming up, they need their sleep because it is the process of sleep that helps them store memory. So if they are, um, and it's not just sleep, it's dreaming that helps store our memory. So not only do our teenagers need to be sleeping, they also need to be getting enough sleep in that they're actually getting a period of dreaming sleep in as well so they need to be getting at least you know one sleep cycle in if they're having a nap during the day they need to be getting at least one sleep cycle in and certainly through the night um they need to be making sure they're you know they're completing their sleep cycle so they get some dreaming in but when we're younger we need way more sleep than we do when we're older but also when we're poorly you know when we're sick we need more sleep so i think this is one of the reasons why we've kind of again we've fallen into this trap of i need eight hours sleep and that leads on to the second myth which is that bed is a specific bedtime and we go to bed at a specific bedtime so when i say to people and i've asked hundreds of people this question when do you go to bed they will always answer 10 o'clock 11 o'clock nine o'clock one o'clock they rarely if ever say to me when i'm sleepy And yet, ironically, that is when we should be going to sleep. What happens is, say, for example, you have to be up at six in the morning. What we do is we think I've got to work back eight hours because I need my eight hours sleep. (laughs) So what we do is we think, right, okay, so six o'clock, eight hours back from six o'clock is 10 p.m. I must be in bed by 10 p.m. So what happens is we force ourselves to bed at 10 o'clock. But what if we're not sleepy at 10 o'clock? We end up staring at the ceiling. We're we're now laying in bed thinking, I'm not going to get my eight hours. I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm I'm not going to be any good in the morning. And so we've again, we've started that whole going down the plug hole and and that whole thing. So, yeah, so that's the that's the um, the second myth. And um, and again, I just bust that, you know, go to bed when you're sleepy. And if that's not possible, you know, because, again, I and I talk about this in Answers in the Dark is that, you know, I talk about shift workers. That's not always possible. You know, you might feel sleepy at three in the morning, but you've still got another six hours of your shift left or five hours of your shift left. Um so that's where power naps can be really helpful as well um but uh one of the things i encourage people is where possible go to bed when you're sleepy you will find that if you can get into a rhythm going bed when going to bed when you're sleepy waking up when you're naturally wakeful you will find that your rhythm settle down and you might find that you get a much better much refreshing night's sleep and that leads into the third myth which is that it's unnatural to wake up at night so we've bought into this idea that um, we have separated our day into these really convenient blocks of eight. So we have eight hours rest, we have eight hours play, and we have eight hours work, but our bodies are just not designed that way. And so one of the ways we've bought into that is that we think we should sleep for eight solid hours and if we wake up in the night that's bad we think that's really bad i shouldn't wake up i should be sleeping for eight solid hours and yet what the research tells us is that actually your brain has this very natural 
Um, I refer to it in the book as a sentinel reflex. It's like a bodyguard. Your brain has this bodyguard and that periodically it will wake you up just to kind of say, is everyone okay? Is everything okay? Okay, great. I can go back to sleep. But because we've bought into this idea that we need eight hours sleep, we wake up in the night and we think, what's wrong with me? Everyone else is sleeping eight hours. What's wrong with me? Why can't I get why can't I get eight hours sleep? And so again, we start that going down the plug hole. And before you know it, you know, you're you're just not getting a good night's sleep. So yeah, that's that's pretty much where I go with the myths. And and I talk about that in more detail and I back it up with the reading that I've done. Um, and yeah, just open a dialogue really, food for thought. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, Back to our podcast and back to our guest. Right. Yeah, my uh, type of insomnia is I can go to sleep fine unless I miss what I call my window of sleep opportunity. 
mm-hmm. where you know I'm tired, but I just have to have to finish the load of laundry. I have to finish yeah. to my emails. I have to finish things, and I'm so tired. But if I miss, if I push past it and miss it, it's hard that's to get it. to sleep. But that's one one of it. But then the other, the other is this. And I'm so happy to find out that waking up in the middle of the night is natural and normal and what our brains are made to do because I have to get up to pee. And, <laughs> right? And then going back to sleep sometimes is really, really, really hard. It's not that my mind is racing. It's just that I'm up. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm up. I think, is there a difference between being tired and being sleepy? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you can be absolutely shattered after a long, hard day um, and tired. But if you're not sleepy, that doesn't mean you're going to go to sleep. And it's, it's really interesting as well what you were saying there, because... I think the getting up in the night to go to the toilet thing is such a great example because we are wired, you know, our brain is, is of course it's going to wake us up if we need the toilet, right? Of course it's going to do that. Um, But again, you're right. And and you talked about the window of opportunity. I talk about this in, in Answers in the Dark because we have this window of opportunity when what we call sleep pressure builds. So during the course of the evening, you will start to feel your sleep pressure build. And sometimes you'll notice it if you're ever sitting in front of the TV and your eyes start to go a little bit or you feel your head going. And that's what you were describing about. You know that that's the moment you should be going to bed, but there's always something else to be doing or you kind of get caught up in something. And so we don't, we push through it. And the irony, I refer to it in the book as like sleep is like buses. If we miss the bus, we have to wait for the next one to come along. And so um, we have to wait for our sleep pressure to build again. Uh, If we push through it, we're technically telling our brain it's stay awake. It's, you know, we need to carry on. Um, And so we have to wait for the sleep pressure to build again. So it is very much sleep is like a bus. If you miss it, you have to wait for the next one to come along. And of course, you're right. What then happens is we kind kind of say to ourselves well okay I'm going to go to bed now and then we're staring at the ceiling thinking what's wrong with me half an hour ago I was sleepy I'm not sleepy now what's what's wrong with me and it's because we've pushed we've pushed through that window of opportunity right absolutely and it's really hard to get back there once Mm. it's gone and you think well that that pressure is there it was there so it was in your body you were sleepy, like really ready to go to sleep. Where is it, right? Yeah. Is there a cycle to that? Yeah, exactly. And and that's why I talk about it. And that's why it's called the sleep cycle repair kit, because it's very much about understanding your cycles um, and the way that your body works. So this is the other thing to keep in mind. Um, there's so much information available to people um, around how to get a better night's sleep. And so what tends to happen, like I say, is we buy into these myths, um, which is the ones I challenge, where we don't need not everybody needs eight hours sleep some people do but not everybody does and so this is where we need to work out our natural sleep cycles so we work out when do I feel naturally sleepy when do I wake up naturally in the morning and this is really key because let's say for example you set your alarm for six in the morning because that's when you've got to be up but you wake up naturally at about 5 a.m 
So you're already thinking to yourself, I'm, I'm an hour short of my eight hours. True. Mm-hmm. And then you're thinking, and I've still got an hour left before I've got to get up. So I'm going to go back to sleep. Now, what happens is an hour later, because you've gone back into your sleep cycle, you've started your sleep cycle again. You are technically about an hour later, you are waking up right in the middle of your deep sleep. So although you felt wide awake at five o'clock, you set your alarm for six o'clock, you've woken yourself up and you have what we call the hangover effect. And that is when you wake up, your head, you've got a headache, your mouth is dry, you don't know what year it is, you know, and you just feel completely wiped. And again, you're thinking to yourself, well, hang on, an hour ago, I was wide awake. I felt great an hour ago, but now I feel dreadful. And you carry that feeling around with you for the rest of the day. Like you're dragging yourself around with yourself for the rest of the day. And it's because you woke yourself up in the middle of deep sleep. So it's one of the reasons why I encourage people um, to get to know your cycle, get to know when do you feel naturally sleepy? When are you naturally wakeful? And then see if you can work your alarm around that. So if you wake up naturally at half past five, but your alarm goes off at six, maybe get up at half five, you know, rather than pushing yourself back into sleep and waking up and feeling shattered, um, maybe wake up when you feel, feel natural, naturally awake. And one of the things that I would say with all of this is when I talk about it's natural to wake up in the night and, you know, if you're waking up early and stuff like this, I'm obviously talking about it from the context as long as you feel okay with that. So for example, some people um, will wake up several times during the night for all sorts of reasons um if that's happening then it can be helpful to talk to someone you know there may well be reasons why and that's where it can be helpful to talk to someone in the same way if you are waking up at ridiculous o'clock and you can't get back to sleep it can be helpful to talk to people about it you know your doctor or or someone that can help with that but the only thing i would say with that is in those cases what a good doctor would try and understand is the root cause of it. So they may well give you something to help. You know, they may well give you something to help with you um, getting a better night's sleep. Um, but ultimately, they would want to try and get to the root of that. So what is it that's waking you up? That's why I have a whole chapter in the book called The 4am Mystery. It's it's all about, you know, why we're awake in the middle of the night and what can help. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And I think that is so needed because, like you said, we've... We've, you know, insomnia is more or less an epidemic. Mm. Um, we're all of us under a lot of stress. The pandemic has caused a lot of grief. Mm. Um, the up here, especially in the United States, the very regrettable and completely unnecessary uptick in mass murders has increased. Mm. Mm. Um, we're still not out of the pandemic. People are still stressed about that. Um, current situations in the U.S. have caused, I know, has caused me a lot of loss of sleep. Mm. Um, so these stresses are not going away anytime soon. And we must, you know, sleep is the one thing. It's like we can go for a while without eating very much, but we can't go very long without much sleep. 
No, not at all. In fact, the research shows that really um, even, I talk about this in Answers in the Dark, even the toughest people on the planet, inverted commas, the Navy SEALs, um, they, they, you know, they, they know that they even they can't go more than sort of a couple of days without sleep. And, um, and so that's why we need to find ways that we can rest and recharge and restore and do that in ways that works for us. So that's one of the reasons why when we find ourselves awake in the middle of the night, it can be really helpful to just try to manage the mind where it's going, as I call it, down the plug hole, because in that moment in the middle of the night, often things just feel so dark um, and so difficult. And I was saying about hope and one of the things I think one of the messages I want to try and get across in Answers in the Dark is there is hope. You know, the dawn is always brighter. And if you can hold on until morning, things usually feel a lot better in the light of day. And so this is one of the reasons I emphasize in Answers in the Dark, never, ever, ever make a really big decision in the middle of the night. Right. because you know it's it's not the right time you can use the night and the stillness of night to meditate to enjoy the peace and quiet you know to enjoy the stillness mm -hmm. um so you can use it to that extent but we should not be making big decisions in the middle of the night because it's usually in those moments that everything feels dark, not just literally in terms of it's dark outside, but inside our heads as well. And so, um, yeah, the, the dawn is always coming. You know, the dawn will always come. And if we can just hold on till dawn, you will genuinely find that things seem a lot better. Oh, absolutely. So what happens to us when we haven't got much sleep? So there's, there's different ways that lack of sleep can affect us. One of the ways is our immune system. So if you're not getting a lot of sleep, then you will find that you get every cough, every cold, um, you know, every bug that's going around, you will find that you're more susceptible to it. Um, we also know that lack of sleep affects our mental health. And ironically, poor mental health also affects our sleep. So again, we find ourselves in that vicious cycle again. Mm -hmm. um, but but also sleep deprivation can actually cause nightmares. Um, so we can suffer with nightmares and bad dreams if we're not sleeping so well. So that's another reason why it, it makes the case for prioritizing sleep, because not only will you feel better physically, you'll also feel better mentally, but you're also more likely to have better quality dreams um of course if you're not getting any sleep at all then go to a doctor you know because it won't be long before you really start to struggle with that you'll start hallucinating um and you'll find that you've just got no memory whatsoever you'll just become really forgetful um, and of course your motor skills will be affected so you won't even be able to i i watched this ex i heard about this experiment once where they kept some students awake so people age like 18 who and I remember these days where I could stay awake for hours and, you know, into the early hours of the morning. And they kept these students awake all night. Um, but then they started to get them to do these little tests. And by the end of the night, 
they couldn't even get the lid off a jam jar. They they were they had no they were they had no skills between their brain and their hands to take a lid off a jar um, because they just didn't have the physical energy, but they also didn't have the cognitive skills to figure out how to open a jar. And so um, it's little things like that, those types of cognitive impairments that show up when we're not sleeping so well. So we get forgetful, we get every bug that's going around. And um, and, and yeah, we've, we've just got no motor skills. Our motor skills are affected, which is why we should never drive if we're tired, right? We should never drive if we're so tired. Um, but yeah, but it does show up as nightmares as well. And I think that's another thing that a lot of people can kind of make sense of when they realize why they're having nightmares might be because of the sleep deprivation and again ironically sleep deprivation causes nightmares nightmares causes sleep deprivation so again you end up in that vicious cycle oh absolutely um you know there's a reason why sleep deprivation is a torture yeah. right why it's used that way yeah, it's one of the vitamin behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Depriving people of sleep is one of the ways that they use to control people. Yeah, that's, this is true. This is true. They become more compliant. Yeah. Right, right. Because your cognitive skills, your cognitive function is just offline. Mm -hmm. so yeah, exactly. Let's, let's talk a minute about the, the role of dreams in sleep. Now, I'm not talking about the nightmare type of dreams. I think that's a whole nother episode. Fast. <laughs> But the role of dreams, why we do, what it helps us with, and, you know, how we can understand them. So I think of dreams like a friend, and your dreams are trying to give you some advice or some wisdom and they have this objective wisdom that lives just underneath the surface of our awareness and so the reason I liken them to friends is because we've all got friends who can see things we can't you know um, and they're on the outside looking in and they can be objective and they can offer us advice and wisdom but I'm sure we've also got friends that we don't really listen to what they say. We take what they say with a pinch of salt. You know, we don't we don't necessarily um, kind of take them too seriously. And so for me, this is where dreams kind of fall into this category because we will either take them seriously or we won't. Now, for people that take their dreams seriously, they're more likely to remember them. If you see your dreams as important, if you see them as a place of wisdom um, where you can learn and grow and use them as a resource um, to understand what's going on underneath the surface, then they can be really valuable. But for people who tend not to see them that way, especially if they've grown up in an environment unlike mine I mean I are the environment I said I grew up as a child where you know my mum would ask me around the breakfast table what I dreamt about the night before that was normal but it when I went to school I remember um in the early years going to school and kind of bouncing into the playground wanting to tell people about the dreams I'd had and they'd look at me like what are you talking about you know dreams are weird we don't talk about those um and so uh you know it was quite unique to be able to have that space to talk about my dreams um but this is why I, I I say that people that have grown up in that environment, if you've grown up in an environment where someone said to you, oh, your dreams don't mean anything, don't worry about them. If they're scary, don't worry. It, they don't mean anything. Then you're less likely to remember them as you get older. Whereas if we can learn to embrace them and consider them as 
a form of insight or a form of wisdom, we can still choose to take what they say or not. You know, we can still choose to listen if we want to. But if we choose to um, listen, we're more likely to remember them. So that's how I describe them. And, and like I say, they're also encrypted so that only you can explore them you can ask people you know you can say oh, i had a dream about you know one of the most common dreams is people dream about their teeth falling out and you could you could say to someone oh i had a dream about my teeth falling out and someone will say oh yeah i've had that dream before and i read somewhere it means and that can be useful you know that that can be helpful but it won't necessarily connect with that person unless that's their experience as well so and that again that makes the point about how we've fallen into this trap of westernizing our dreams because if you think about it um and i'm sure this is the same in the us but when you lost a, a tooth as a child what did you do with it we put it under our pillows and let the tooth fairy take it there you go and it's the same in the uk so we have the tooth fairy here as well so in the west where that tradition is alive and well we learn to associate our teeth with money. So a person dreaming that their teeth falling out might be worried about status, they might be worried about their finances, they might be worried about their job, they might be worried about paying their mortgage, you know, it could be any number of reasons. Whereas in other parts of the world, teeth are associated with bone, because that's what they are. So if a person dreams about losing a tooth, it's a fear of losing a loved one because teeth is bone. Bone is skeleton, skeleton means death. So in parts of the world, it doesn't mean that that person's gonna die, it's just a fear of losing their loved one. Sure. And it shows up as the tooth dream. So this is where, it's, where I kind of make this point about how we have to be careful that we take the context of our own traditions and our own cultures so that we can then start to explore how how you know what they mean and what they're trying to tell us oh fascinating very very interesting i can see your work is very very important mm. and um the book again is answers in the dark grief sleep and how dreams can help you heal is there mm. anything we have not talked about that you think is important to mention I, I think we've covered so much, which is amazing in the time we've had. Um, but again, I think what I would just emphasize really is that the book ultimately is a message of hope. It is really about giving people the reassurance that they're not alone um, and that, you know, that so many of the weird experiences we have when we're asleep are quite, you know, to some extent normal. Um, and that also, even if we take the time to understand our nighttime experiences a bit more, usually we will find the reason behind them and we can then take steps to to manage our minds more helpfully so yeah it really is just a message of hope and food for thought i think that's one of the things i emphasize in the book as well is this is just food for thought i just want to start a conversation um and and people can take from it what they want and leave the rest yes thank you so much and your website is delphiellis.com and you've got your you've been all over TV there in the UK and your so some of your your TV appearances are on here on the BB, uh, BBC radio um, just all kinds of helpful helpful resources here mm -hmm. at DelphiEllis.com so I would encourage everyone to 
Look at that and read the book, Answers in the Dark. Delphi, it has been so nice to talk with you. I've really appreciated um, both your patience with my crazy schedule again and the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. Oh, thank you so much, Christy. It's been lovely speaking with you. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.